0: Welcome to Stand Our Ground. I'm your host, Kaya, and I'm so grateful that you've decided to join me as I investigate the murder of my cousin, Deanna Stevenson. This podcast does discuss domestic violence and includes events and descriptions that some listeners may find triggering, so please listen with caution. If you need to talk with someone about the content of this podcast or something that it brings up for you, please call 988 in the United States to reach the mental health crisis line or text HOME to 741741. As a reminder, all individuals discussed in this podcast are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This week on Stand Our Ground, we're going to take a look back at where we've been and what we've learned. And a look at what's coming up next when we return from our winter hiatus. Before we do that, I did want to announce that Deanna Stevenson's case will be featured on two upcoming podcasts. um, Cold Cases, Cults, Murders, Oh My! And MBP, Murder, Blood, and Psychopaths. So I will be interviewing with those podcasters to talk about Deanna's story and help get it out there more Once uh, those episodes are live, I will share them on our Facebook page. So please make sure to be looking for that, support them, share them, help make sure we can get some justice for Deanna by getting her case as many places as possible. Also, if you're a subscriber, you should have just received an email from me asking for a good address to send your free bumper sticker Promoting Stand Our Ground Podcast. Um, if you have not received an email from me, that means I don't have yours. So please shoot us an email at standourgroundpodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com so we can get that to you. You will have to provide proof of your subscription by screenshotting it. Um, any bumper stickers we have left over after sending some to family members who want some and subscribers will be available potentially for donation or purchase for other listeners. Um, As a quick reminder, we are going to be at CrimeCon, so we're looking forward to that and more news to come as we get closer. Also, if you're a subscriber, please don't worry. There are still going to be some subscriber-only episodes over our winter hiatus. Specifically, we're going to be dropping redacted versions of the police interviews with Amy, Ollie, and Megan. On that note, we are also working on creating a website that will have redacted versions of the case files so that you can review them and make your own judgments about them, and also so that you don't just have to rely on me for the information. I think um, a lot of times in true crime, but particularly in this case, we can get um, a little caught up in some of the things that are or are not documented, and in a case like this where we can't necessarily trust the police all the way in what they're reporting it's totally fair to not trust me all the way and what I'm reporting which is why I'd like to provide you with what I have so with all of that said let's go ahead and talk about what we've learned so far and I hope you'll indulge me in this non-traditional episode format my hope um, was to kind of share some new information with you but I'm, not feeling very confident in how well I've compiled that. I think there's more to it. And so I want to make sure that I'm able to give you a really complete picture before I release an episode on it. And our winter hiatus will give me a chance to do that. So we'll talk more about that in the coming up section. But I also think it's valuable to go back and sort of recap some of the information that we've learned together, that we've gone through together, Make sure we're all still on the same page. Now, if that's not something that you're interested in, if you're like, I've been here for the whole thing, I don't want to recap, or if you're binging this show and you're like, I just sat through all of it, uh, go ahead and skip ahead five minutes. And that should get you to the point where I'm talking about what's going to be coming up on the podcast. So when we started this journey, we started with just the stories that were told to us. And that, of course, is the story that was reported by Escambia County Sheriff's Office after their interviews with Amy Plunkett, Ollie Jane Plunkett, and Megan Wadilla, now Megan Plunkett. Um, And we've learned several things since then. So we've learned, first of all, that there's some contradiction as to how many bullets were shot, how many shots were fired. Um, We know that there are four bullet casings. We know that Witnesses mostly reported hearing three shots. We know that Ollie Jane says she shot a warning shot, as in one. Um, And we know that the line of fire of those bullet casings just doesn't really make sense. We also discovered that the police didn't reach out to everyone that they maybe should have. They didn't reach out to Skipper, who was a primary witness who saw Amy moving Deanna's body, who was there when... The police arrived, who who called 911, who then was interviewed by police only because she reached out to them after talking with the family. Um, and we also know that when she talked to investigator Jimmy Tatum, he did not characterize her statements in a way that she felt accurately reflected what she had said. And also didn't seem to care very much for what what she had to say. You know, that concern that we had about Escambia Sheriff's Office really continued to grow when we were able to talk with Jimmy Staley of the Conjuring Justice blog and learn that there is a history of corruption in that Sheriff's Office and that there are some other cases where people have not gotten justice and in some cases have potentially died or suffered for longer because of the Escambia County Sheriff's Office either lack of taking action or just incompetency, and it's hard to know which it is, but um, I will leave that decision up to you. We also learned that the police never spoke to Griner. Griner was the last person to be with Deanna, really, before she went to the Plunkett apartment. So after Griner and Deanna went to a local bar called The Ticket, Deanna went back to Griner's apartment and was going to sleep on the couch. They made plans to go to the beach the next day with some of their friends because they had the day off, But Deanna was not on the couch when he woke up. She was dead in front of the Plunkett's doorway. Um, On that note, we also learned that there had been a long kind of contentious history with the house, with Deanna even saying that Megan would get that house over her dead body. We now know that Megan did get the house and she did get it over Deanna's dead body And her name is the only one on the deed. And Deanna's son got absolutely nothing when it was sold. Um, I'm not going to tell you right now because I'm going to tell you in a couple minutes. But we are going to be looking into whether or not some of the claims Megan made in the lawsuit that got her that house are actually correct. Or if they were exaggerations or fabrications that Deanna could not refute because she was dead. Um, we also looked into some of our concerns with Jimmy Tatum and how he's run the investigation, some of the things he had to say about Deanna, some of which were really, truly awful. I mean, um, and and seemingly unnecessary. There's no reason for him to tell a separate witness in the case that Deanna was promiscuous or sleeping around. It's not relevant to that person. Um, he also, we know previously worked with Amy Plunkett and his first words really to Amy Plunkett in the interview were essentially, Hey, it's, it's me. It's Jimmy. Do you remember me from the office? Um, some other stuff we learned was there was a witness who were calling Kelsey who came forward to police after Megan and Amy lived with her in the aftermath of the murder. And she reported that, um, Amy and Megan both said that Deanna wanted to die and she wanted them to do it. So we've got a lot going on. We also talked a little bit about how the change in the standard ground law would have made it easier for someone to get away with murder under the guise of standard ground and why the burden of proving that it was not self-defense would be on the prosecution rather than the defense, which was a change from what it had previous been, previously been. And we also talked about the bullets. The bullets, the path of the bullets do not support that there was a ricochet. A ricochet bullet does not go straight through a door and leave a mark on the other side. A ricochet bullet bounces off of that door and does not go through. So that's where we've been. Now let's talk a little bit about where we're going. First, one of the things I would really like to do when we come back from winter hiatus is be able to answer some of your questions about this case. You know, I'm producing this podcast in a spare bedroom in my house, and I have no interaction with the outside world as I'm doing it, um, so I'm not always totally sure if what I'm saying is making sense to you, if I'm hitting all the points, if there's parts where I've been unclear or you know, anything like that. So if you have any questions that you'd like answered, please email them to me at standourgroundpodcast at gmail.com. All one word, no dashes, no underscores. podcast at gmail.com so that I can answer those for you. And I'd like to try and get an episode done that's really just answering your questions. You can also feel free to ask me questions that aren't, you know, clarifying questions. So it can totally be a question like, okay, well, you know, what are all the different counts of how many shots there were? Like how many bullet casings were there? How many gunshots were reported by each person? Yada, yada, yada. Um, But you can also ask me questions like what makes you think that there's something more to this story? Like what is the most compelling piece of evidence to you? any questions you want answered, I would be very happy to answer. Um, It'll help me, I think, get a little bit more clarity out there because I know that there have been a couple questions sometimes that pop up in um, the Spotify comments or responses or something like that, but I'm not able to reply to those. So if you send them to me in an email, um, I can hopefully get you some answers to that. Um, Another thing that is actually news as of today, December 11th, 2023, is that we've gotten access to Deanna's text messages, specifically with Deanna's text messages between her and Megan Wadilla. Now, of course, Megan Plunkett um, in the months and days leading up to the murder. And I have got to tell you, first of all, they were insane and painful and crazy to go through. Um, I believe the comment I made at at one point when I was talking um, to my contact was, if this was a fictional book, it would be insane the amount of foreshadowing that is happening here. You know, at one point, Megan says, my mom told me I need to stand my ground, which is just eerie looking back. Um, There's also... There's also a lot of talk about the house. So we're going to cover these text messages in an episode when we come back from winter hiatus. We're going to specifically talk about how the house is discussed in the text messages, including Megan talking about speaking with a real estate lawyer or trying to get the house to go into foreclosure. Um, And also how some of the mortgage and utility bill payments were split up. And we're going to do an analysis of how what's mentioned in the text messages of how those payments are split up compares to what is reported by Megan in that legal filing in order to get the house sold and ultimately gain ownership of the house. So we're gonna look into that. We're also going to look into some of the things in the text messages that directly contradict statements made by both Amy and Megan to the police during their interviews on the morning of June 8th, 2017, at the Escambia County Sheriff's Office. Now, I do want to put out there before you know anyone necessarily comes for me that yes, I do understand if you are somehow involved in a situation where someone ends up dead and you're at a police interview you are probably going to tell a couple lies to try and paint yourself in the best light, or maybe not even lies, but some half-truths, some bending of the truth. And I totally get that. But what I think is important in this case is not that, you know, we're trying to catch a lie. We're going, oh, we found that one. Oh, we found that one. It's more that there is a collection of evidence that points to the fact that something is not right something is not adding up and we are not being told the whole story. And as long as we are not being told the whole story, we need to dig until we get the whole story because someone died. And I don't think it's fair for us to say someone was shot by another person and we don't have the full story, but it was probably self-defense. So let's just let it go. I don't agree with that. And so we're going to keep digging now on that note. Um, I have gone through almost all of the case files completely and reported the majority of them to you. So we are running into a point where unless you want to just hear me talk about nonsense or things that we've already talked about, which I seriously doubt, we may not be releasing episodes every week. So we may be moving to an every other week or an as updates come in schedule. That's yet to be determined. And I will let you know when we come back from that winter hiatus. Also, on an exciting note, if you'd like to get someone else's opinion on this case who's looked at all the documents and done the research, that's going to be coming soon. Um, I'm working with a podcast that I will not name because I'm not sure that we are allowed to promote it yet. But I'm working with a podcast that is uh, run by someone who's been in the game for a very long time, as well as a true crime author and private investigator. Um, and they are looking into this and doing some additional research, contacting some people that may or may not be willing to speak to me in order to try and get some information. So stay tuned for more information of that. All updates will come out most timely in the most timely manner on our Facebook page. So make sure you're following our Facebook page. Um, if you're not And there's, you know, a podcast episode coming out about this case, I'll probably just put out some sort of little bonus episode on Spotify, letting you know what it is, when it is, where you can find it. Um, So stay tuned for those. We are also working on getting some merchandising available for CrimeCon. And if you're going to be at CrimeCon or you'd like to be at CrimeCon, please let me know that way we can meet up while I'm there. I would love to get to know you to get to know some of the listeners of the show and just have a chat with you. Um, You'll be able to find me because I'll be wearing a Stand Our Ground podcast shirt. Oh, I did want to give an update. Also, I heard back from the Florida Department of... That's not what it's called. Sorry. The Florida Department of Law Enforcement on my records request for disciplinary records requests for Amy Plunkett, Deanna Stevenson, and Jimmy Tatum, but specifically Jimmy Tatum, um, and the email I got just said that they are very backlogged on records and they do not have an estimated date of when we will get that record by. So we will still be waiting on that. But once it comes in, that'll be essentially immediately what we report to you on. Um, so once I know you will know some of the other things I'm hoping to bring to you when we come back from winter hiatus are, I'm hoping to be able to to bring a gun safety expert onto the podcast to talk about both what we see when we look at the ballistics evidence in this case, as well as how you can safely defend yourself in a situation and maybe make smart choices, like not putting a gun on a end table near a TV in between you and the so-called dangerous person. Um, Have to laugh or you'll cry, right? Um, Another thing I'm hoping to bring in is some sort of forensics medical professional to have a look at some of the crime scene photos of the injuries, specifically of Amy's um, neck injury, to be able to tell us if it really does look like she has been choked or if it is something else. Um, We are going to be covering injuries in an upcoming episode. So that was our slightly shorter than normal, definitely different format than normal episode for today. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, Just wanted to give you an update on where we're going to go and what we've already been through together. I'm so grateful that you've taken this journey with me. I don't know what I expected it to be when we started, but whatever I expected is not what it is. Um, But it's been really rewarding to see a decent hundred people are so following this case with me and fighting with me to get justice for my cousin and, and caring and sharing. I hate that those rhymed, but really making sure that Deanna's voice isn't taken from her just because she was killed. And so I'm really grateful to you all for that. And, uh, if you've made it this far, just thank you again. Um, I did want to say I don't watch football at all, but Deanna's favorite football team was the New Orleans Saints, and I just wanted to let her know that they made it to third in the in the NFC, which this is just how little I know about football. I'm pretty sure that's a division, like the ACC or the SEC, the NFC. But uh, she'll know what that means, so hopefully she's pleased about that. Um, with that said, we are going to go ahead and hear from Deanna and uh, play our outro. Here's Deanna, and thanks for listening. Here's to you, here's to me, friends and family. We always be. We you. and here's to me. Hey. Stand Our Ground is written and produced by Kaya Penfield. Our theme music is Lifelike by Alexi Action Background Music. You can find us on social media by going to at Stand Our Ground on TikTok or searching Stand Our Ground Podcast on Facebook. You can also email us at standourgroundpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com.